Welcome to Creative Couch. I'm your host, Ben Ham Conard, and I'm the startup program manager at Creative HQ. We're talking about a few different things about the startup scene in Wellington, the capital city here in New Zealand. Um, and today I'm joined by a fantastic panel uh, to talk a little bit more about mental well-being and founder burnout. Um, today I'm joined by James, Katie, and Josh. Really excited to have you guys on the couch. Um, first things first, maybe we just go down the line and, and introduce ourselves um, and where we're from, what we do. Sure. Uh, so my name's James Palmer. I'm an investor at Blackbird Ventures. Uh, so Blackbird's a venture capital fund in New Zealand. We invest in wild hearts with wild ideas right from the beginning. That's us. Cool. I'm Katie from The Sense Nords. Uh, so I create experiences and events um, based on the senses, music, dance, and more. And I also DJ um, as Sorchalula. Is that your DJ name? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, cool. That's a great fun fact. I should have asked you what a fun fact. I'll come back to you on that. How about you, Josh? Yeah, so I'm Josh. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm a director at Simpel, and we specialize in digital growth, so helping businesses and brands uh, tell their story, um, everything ranging from strategy, digital marketing, analytics, um, but kind of more importantly to me, some content production. So um, I got into doing what I do to tell stories that um, invoke positive change. And um, yeah, that's what I do. Awesome. Can I pl ask you for a fun fact as well? Is that okay? <laughs> okay. Um, I, I haven't had a haircut in over three years. Impressive. Nice. It's looking good. But it's getting pretty close. <laughs> it's getting annoying. Yeah. Is it going to happen today on the show? Ooh, oh, ooh, we probably could, not. We could do that. Sorry. Fun fact for me, uh, I played for the New Zealand handball team. Super niche. Did you? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great, you know, really strong achievement where you get in effectively by default because there's so few players in the country. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. What, um, uh, not, I don't want to admit how little I know about handball, but what position did you play? <laughs> I played left back. So just to clarify, it's not banging a ball against a wall. Okay. It is European handball where you're <laughs> throwing a ball into a goal. Yeah. Great to know. Great to know. <laughs> um, awesome. Thank you all so much for taking the time to join us today um, and talk about a subject that's um, really important um, in so many ways um, and then also quite nuanced, I think, in many others. Um, so I'm really interested to see kind of where we get to with this, this conversation. Um, yeah. So I guess kind of first off, um, just to, to point out a few statistics around this kind of subject matter, um, roughly 8% of startup uh, startups fail due to founder burnout. Um, there are many reasons why startups fail, but, but the fact that founders are putting so much time and effort and energy into these projects um, often means that there's very little time that they spend on actually taking care of themselves um, and actually working on kind of the other aspects that they need to, to you know, stay afloat in many ways. Um, so I'm interested to hear from, from all of you kind of in your own experience, um, what have you found to be the biggest cause of burnout for startups and founders? Um, and if you've experienced it, maybe talk a little bit about how that made you feel or, or, or what that was like. Um, Pretty serious topic, obviously. So apologies for starting with the fun facts, but I think it's <laughs> it's part part of life that we kind of go through these things together. So, sure. I think um, I guess to be clear, not on the founder end of the spectrum, but I guess observing as an investor, um, I think ultimately founder burnout is like a function of compounding stress over a long period of time, mm. and not really finding a release mechanism or not finding a way to to manage that. Um, you know, founding companies is inherently 
incredibly tough journey. Um, you need to compound effort over you know decades, not days. So um, I think it's really just about yeah, not finding a mechanism of dealing with stress and communicating those issues um, to your loved ones or your friends or your support. Yeah, tricky on the loved one side of things because that's that's often one of the things that I think is a tricky aspect of starting a company is you you take whatever life you have into it. Um, how have you seen that kind of play out? Is that easily managed, difficult to manage? I think that's like a super subjective and personal question to to any founder. Um, and I think you know the most mature founders or the the most experienced ones figure out who they want to lean on for different things. Maybe it's not about communicating your work issues to, um, to your loved ones. Maybe it's about finding, you know, other founders to talk to and work through those issues. I think, um, you know, one of the things that we believe in at Blackbird is founders helping founders. Um, Mm. you know, as an investor, I can't resonate with the experience that a founder is going through, but you know, another founder who has been through that experience is in a much better position to provide guidance. So, um, yeah, I think it's not so much about exactly who, um, but it's about finding that right, that, that correct mechanism, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Does that resonate kind of? Yeah. I think you touched on it well there, James, with the compounding stress. Like as a founder, you're not just doing one thing, you're doing multiple things. You're wearing many hats. And so you're trying to grow your business, but you're also trying to run the business and all of those little things add up. You always feel like there's something to do and that you don't have the time to do anything. And that's where I think just prioritizing what's coming up over the sort of next couple of weeks is really important. But then you also have to look long term as well and think, well, how am I going to grow this? How's this going to be sustainable? All that kind of stuff. So it is definitely a, a compounding stress that I think causes or at least attributes to that burnout. Um, and like you said, really important to like have a network of people to be able to talk to about that stuff. Um, I, I moved home when I was starting the business and, you know, save money, that kind of thing. And my parents are kind of rural, so they're about 45 minutes out of town. And I found myself just feeling super isolated from all my friends, um, who were in town. It's sort of, as summer started to roll around, they were all doing stuff, going out in the evenings, and um, I was kind of just at home, sort of not willing to travel into town every day because I'm trying to start my business and save money and all that kind of stuff, and I definitely did feel quite isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit up my business partner, Dan, and um, just kind of was messaging him saying, oh, I'm not feeling that great at the moment, like feeling a bit down about things and being away from everyone and sort of, like I said, isolated. And he just um, came out straight away, brought a six-pack of beers and we just had a chat and talked about it and I felt instantly better straight away, you know. Is that, yeah, is that a a relationship that you had with Dan previously? And I I know that it's it's tricky to kind of be the first one to bring that kind of stuff up often. Um, But is that something you guys had chatted about before or...? Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a really good friend of mine. Um, we've lived together and known each other for a few years, so it was, you know, it wasn't a hard thing for me to approach him with that. And we, before starting the business, we said, you know, we're we're mates and we're always going to prioritise being mates before letting anything else get in the way. So I think that was a really important conversation to have before we started. Was that we we weren't going to let business matters get in the way, and we're always going to be really open open and honest about how we were feeling about things. And so just keeping that in mind um, was really important, yeah. 
Yeah. Still tough to do. Me, Katie? I think for me, it's about pushing yourself really hard. And there's there's a flip side of this, right? Like founders, like the whole point of starting something is because you like you have a lot of grit and you have like this determination and, and this motivation and you make stuff happen. And that's amazing. Like, it, you know, it's not going to begin unless you have that grit. But then the flip side I've, I've found for me um, particularly, and I think maybe some other people resonate, is sometimes the kind of the determination it it can be hard to know kind of when to when to draw back or how mm. how to get rest or how how to nourish yourself even if the the thing that you've created is about like for me it's about making other people feel really good and so there's this kind of irony in doing that and making these beautiful experiences for other people but yet sometimes not being able to prioritize what makes me feel good so I've been, I was thinking about the questions coming in today. And I think it's just that flip side of like really wanting to do something. But then how, how do you balance that against, yeah, taking care of yourself? Do you think that that's a natural, um, I don't know, that, that a natural two sides of that coin of like, if you've got that drive, then there's probably a lack almost of a, an ability to take a step back and look and take care of yourself? Or is that Oh, no. Yeah, I think I think it can be tied up. Um, I would I would like to hope that I'll get better at that, but you know, um, haven't haven't so far. And yeah, and it's hard because sometimes having that drive means that you achieve really amazing things. Like for me, it's again sort of ironic to be here on the couch today because um, last weekend I pulled together in just over three weeks. Um, a boutique festival together with Tubbs Audio and we delivered it and it was beautiful. Yeah. It was the most gorgeous, gorgeous thing. Amazing. But I didn't take care of my well-being particularly well in that three weeks. It was mm. like 12-hour days, work through the weekend, mm -hmm. a lot of stress, a lot of insomnia. Mm. So I, I'm not sitting here with all of the answers, but I think it's a really important thing to talk about and I'm intrigued to hear what else you guys have to share on how to overcome that. Yeah. I mean, so diving, cause you, I mean, Josh, you were saying that Dan, obviously in that kind of, that relationship has been super helpful. Is that, does that happen? Does that exist for you as well, Katie? Or is that, is there like person or people in the business to help out or no? Mm, well, the business is just me. Right. Um, <laughs> but I have key people that I go to um, or kind of seek the advice of. One of them is Justin Connor, who's really experienced in business development and has been over the years a dear friend. And he's one of those people that I'll kind of just like check in, you know, when when you have those moments where you want to do something, but your confidence is like you're not quite sure and you kind of just need that second voice and I'll often say to him like hey I'm getting this kind of pushback but I want to do this thing what do you reckon and he'll just give me this like real quick kind of common sense answer and this like real encouragement I know that whenever I put something out there new he like he's got my back mm -hmm. even though we don't we don't hang out that much but he's always like you're doing really great work so that's one key person Another key person is uh, Madeline Taylor, who's my coach. Mm. She is super badass and kind of terrifying, which is why I wanted her as my coach, because I was yeah. like, I need someone who can push me. I need someone who I can't kind of wind around my little finger. 
and she's somebody that I have turned to in the last six months at points of very difficult conflict because she's very good on conflict resolution. And I think that's something else that kind of can become part of running your own business is that you're going to experience conflicts. And if it's just you and your business is something that you inherently feel deeply passionate about, and it can be sometimes difficult to kind of, I think, disentangle the, you know, your kind of your personal emotion with it. So that can lead to, you know, to some conflict. And I think sometimes that's not really talked about so much, but it's inevitably part of life, like conflict is part mm -hmm. of life. And it's been really, really helpful to have someone where when I've just hit something that is like so freaking hard and I'll have a Zoom call with her, maybe only 30 minutes and we just kind of like bash it out and go, okay, this is the plan of action. And she has helped me to overcome a conflict in the last few months that actually then turned into a really a beautiful development of that working relationship mm. and where we have such a deeper understanding of each other and it's been really incredible i do feel like i've gone on a tangent hey okay we're here kind of here for the tangents which is great <laughs> um and yeah i'm just interested to hear if you guys have any thoughts kind of surrounding that yeah i think i think building on that sort of comment around support systems like something that you can do as a founder right at the beginning is choose who you want to work with um you know there are different styles of business you're a you know single founder really challenging situation but also josh with his co-founder like it's important to feel a sense of trust and be capable of being vulnerable with that person because you are on that journey together over such a long period of time so you know when you are thinking about starting a business and thinking about building something for the long term, it's important to be really deliberate and take your time with that decision. You know, choose that person who you feel like you can, you know, spend a you know, huge amounts of time with um, and ultimately deeply trust over the long term. Um, because, you know, it's one of the few business like decisions in starting a business that you have total control of um but it's also really hard to walk walk away from mm. you know you talk about mental health or burnout being one of the biggest features of a failed business or failed startup or founders walking away from one another is also one of those you know key points so that's sort of the the breakup of a relationship and it's a marriage so yeah um, yeah treat it that way i guess yeah true and that's um you're, you're spot on in that um the interplay between the personal relationship of, of a founder, a founding pair, a founding trio can often um, end up getting in the way. So it's, it's really cool to hear, Josh, what you're saying about kind of that you guys started from a very clear point of, now nah, this is this is us, and we're going to go out and do this venture together. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's always, you know, this is this is what comes first, which is cool to, to kind of hear. Yeah, yeah, super, super grateful for that. Um, it was good to iron that out off the bat. And, um, you know, I'd kind of always thought about doing my own thing, starting a business, never really sure. And then Dan kind of approached me with the idea. And um, knowing Dan, I was just like, yeah, we can do this. Like, this is going to work. So just jump straight into it. And um, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> here we are on the couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interested to hear a little bit, um, maybe from each of you, and, and just kind of sharing some thoughts about how we all manage that burnout and whether that's something that you've seen from someone else or whether that's something that you practice kind of on your own what are 
what are some coping mechanisms or what are some ways to maybe put in perspective? Yeah, I think awareness is um, super important when it, any, when it comes to anything to do with mental health. So um, for me, I sort of practice a bit of meditation or yoga or um, I like to exercise, um, doing things that you know are good for you um, to help set you up to be able to deal with those stressful times, you know, because it's in those stressful times that you let those things drop off. And um, I'm certainly not super consistent with some of my stuff, but like I do try to give it attention. Um, and like I said, having awareness of when you're feeling run down, when you're um, maybe having some negative thoughts about how things are going, but being able to like step back from that a little bit and um, work through it, yeah. I think it's super important. Was it, were those all? I mean, the meditation, the yoga, and stuff. Was that were those things that you brought from your past life into the your work with with Simple, or was that something that you developed as you kind of went through? Yeah, sort of. Um, always been a little bit into that. I think they sort of yeah just developed as I've gone through rough times in life. You know, you sort of, you sort of seek out something to help you get through challenging times. Um, so I picked up those things along the way. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I wish I could have picked up yoga. I still should. Obviously, <laughs> I'm practicing it. Yeah. Um, I, I think the awareness points a really good one. Like something that is quite hard when you are, you know, head down, ass up, working really hard on something is actually being able to, um, you know, find the signal that tells you that you actually need to take a step back or be a little bit more deliberate with your time. Um, like for me, that's like I definitely feel it in my sleep. Like if, if stress starts creeping up on me then I will start sleeping poorly and that's a good like mechanism or signal for me that okay should I need to be a little bit more deliberate uh, you know if you're going to bed and you're thinking about a hundred thousand things all at the same time you can't sleep um, there's an issue there like so so for me like that mechanism of trying to um, I guess decouple work and like social life is is just being very deliberate about what I need to achieve on any given day so set yourself a daily goal, achieve it, and then feel comfortable in yourself that there isn't, you know, you don't need to then spend time on the 30 other things that you could be working on. Mm. Um, and I find that's helpful in just kind of creating a mental threshold that you need to work through um, because, you know, I, like I get busy sometimes, just like fans, <laughs> no, nowhere near to the extent, but okay, um, think, yeah. <laughs> but like that, that's what I've found useful in trying to, yeah just create some separation and like a mental block in your head like i've achieved enough today i can feel satisfied in myself and i can move on and yeah. keep attacking at the next yeah it's interesting we um in the in the previous episode we were talking um with another group of founders who are um, and i'd be interested to hear your takes on this because they were saying um especially in the early stages of founding a company um it can be really hard to set accurate goals mm -hmm. and so you don't have a you don't have a good benchmark for how much you should be getting done or, or or not and so then there's this this inherent like oh am i doing enough that just kind of compounds is that something you guys have felt as well or yeah i think so i um when starting out a business you're you're kind of just winging a, a lot of it um you've yeah. got your skill set that you bring to it which hopefully aligns with your passion as to why you're doing it. But like, there's a lot you need to figure out. And I think it's all that uncertainty, which is tricky. Like you, you don't know what kind of goals you should be setting and like in terms of financial or, or whatever it may be. Um, so you just kind of got to 
give it a guess, your best guess, maybe an educated guess, talk to some people, um, and then see how you go. Yeah, which is <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, it's it's an iter- iterative process. And um, yeah, I think as a founder as well, you just need to be open to change. For sure, you need to be adaptable. Absolutely. How about you, Katie? Is there any like coping mechanism or, or way that you found that helps you deal with that kind of... Yeah. Yeah, I have a whole range of things because I am naturally um, like super driven and kind of get just like so caught up in what I'm doing. Mm. It's it's really hard for me to do what you've just talked about, which is that like clear mental separation. Mm-hmm. I wish somebody could teach me some tools to do that. It would be amazing. <laughs> but I enjoyed hearing about your approach. Um, so I have a whole raft of tools. And so for me in the morning, it's starting with um, meditation and then most days I'll put on one song that I'm really loving at that moment because I do a lot of tune hunting as a DJ anyway. Um, and I'll just move and dance in whatever way is feeling good. And it's those kind of things that are like reminding you of why like, why are you doing the thing that you're doing? Like for me, it is about people feeling really good in their bodies and it is about how sound and music changes how you feel. Mm. So I find that the days are better if I like start in that way. And then um, normally at lunch times, it will be kind of either a run or a walk um, in the town bell. I find that really helps me just kind of even like the smell of, you know, kind of trees and grass and all of that mm-hmm. um, is calming. And it kind of gets you more present again, and because a lot of what I do is looking at screens, which kind of takes you out of your body and out of being present. And then... Um, most days I'll finish up with, yeah, with a Koha yoga class um, if there's one on. And then it's, yeah, it is just about, you know, what you were saying before about like knowing what's good for you and really trying to prioritize that. And sometimes it's hard because you're like, oh, but, you know, I need to like deal with all of these issues and all of these queries and all of these things. And it's like, yeah, but unless I do some prioritizing of me feeling good, I'm not going to be able to respond to those in as calm or relaxed or helpful a way. Um, And in summer, what's been really good for me in the last couple of months has been, if it's a beautiful day like it is today, Mm. but half three, four, just, all right, that's that. Um, Head out to the beach and just get in the ocean and just kind of like consciously try and like let my worries and any kind of angst I've got about what's happening like wash away with the ocean. It always helps, yeah. and I'm totally going to do that this afternoon. Uh, you might have a couple of us joining you, honestly. Um, I, I think what's what's so interesting that that I think covers across what the three of you said is there's a level of um, intentionality that you need to apply, and and similar to what you're saying, kind of when you're when you're head down, ass up, um, to borrow the phrase, um, it can be really hard to actually you know, take time to say, oh, well, you know, what if I did listen to a song in the morning that kind of puts me in the right mind space or actually take a moment to meditate and free myself. Um, But it seems like that kind of covers across is like actually treating it like something that needs attention Mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's super easy to brush all that stuff aside because um, you're thinking I need to get stuff done. Yeah, you're really, if you're focusing too hard on something, then everything else starts to fall away. And it's only in those moments. I mean, who hasn't jumped in the water and felt just like everything kind of, <laughs> it's gone. Like it's, it's great. It's such a good feeling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think another thing that's coming across is that we all agree that this wellness is important. 
I think. Absolutely. Be, I'd love to hear a hot take of someone be like, nah, nah, nah. nah not, not <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's a different, different studio yeah, that we're taking right. those questions. Um, I guess why is it important or, or, or what makes it so important for that to come first or kind of be one of the core founding principles of a business? Like, I, I mean, I, I'm just thinking about from an investor's point of view, I think there's been a real shift in how people, how, how investors look at companies and, and, kind of want to make sure that founders are taking care of themselves because, you know, even financially, burnout, if that could cause 8% of companies to fail, that's, you know, one more thing that you want to mitigate. So, Absolutely. And I think it goes back to the philosophy that businesses are built over really long stretches of time. You know, the generational most valuable businesses in the world have all been built over 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and that is compounding effort over that period of time. It's no good um, absolutely killing yourself for two years only to burn out and you know be left with, you know, want to walk away from the business and destroy all of that historical effort. So mm-hmm. it's really about figuring out how to sustainably apply effort over the long term and really commit for that, yeah, for that holistic journey rather than just being focused on, you know, what is my next goal on a day by day basis. Um, because it all turns to nothing ultimately in the end when you do burn out. So um, I think it is important to place at the center of what that, you know, a business philosophy or value set, because I guess the adjacent point is not just as a founder, but everyone within the business, like every business is really from a value perspective, just a function of all of their employees. So it's about the holistic well-being within the organization. So if you put that at the center point and cascade it down, you know, you've got a better chance of, retaining high quality talent, keeping people there, um, and accruing, yeah, value over the long term rather than just uh, over a couple of years. Yeah. So we, we think about it a lot. Yeah. How does that how does that play out, I guess, in some of the conversations you have? I just I'm I'm interested to hear because I think that it's something that again is only maybe been brought to the forefront and people have become more comfortable talking about recently, relatively, mm-hmm. ten years maybe. But yeah. Look, I, I'm junior in my investing career for sure, but um, I think I think something that's important as you're taking on external money from investors is being very direct, and hopefully investors are willing to be vulnerable with their founders and being honest about you know the situation that their business may be on. Um, you know, venture capital type companies um, fail half of the time, um, so we as investors understand that there is you know an embedded chance of failure whenever we invest in something. Mm. Um, but it's, it's really tough thing for a founder to go through to, you know, walk up to their investors and say, Hey, things aren't going that well and be vulnerable in that way. So, um, I guess what I'll endeavor to do is just try and, um, provide a safe space for entrepreneurs within that space, um, to have those conversations and make sure that they're looking after themselves because we just invest in people, um, I'm an investor. I can't do the amazing things that the the founders actually can do. So um, we're here to play support rather than anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And something you touched on, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, uh, the the idea that we're not very good at dealing with failure or things going wrong, and maybe that's why we put so much effort in to make sure that, you know, we're in control of situations that things don't don't fail in some way. Um has that been something that you guys have experienced kind of over the course of you know, growing your businesses? And Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'm I'm a worrier. So like before I kind of, you know, put something out there into the world or like the whole time that I'm creating it until it's done, I'm always worrying about all of the things that could go wrong. Um, but because a lot of the things that I've created have taken the form of events, that is also useful because it means that I am trying to kind of like think through all of those possible things and mitigate them before we get there. And I'm always thinking a lot about people's different experiences across that and imagining kind of into the future how people are going to feel. But I guess, you know, part of that is kind of just wanting to create something that feels gorgeous for them, but also it's not, it's wanting not to fail at things. And, um, you know, it's quite a vulnerable thing to talk about, but there is, there's one um, pretty high profile um, project that I worked on. I'm not going to say which. Um, And it was really, really hard. Um, And kind of through the process, there was um, quite a bit of criticism um, from the people who came. And I've analysed that and kind of looked at it's It's quite a different market from who I normally go to. And I think that changed things in a kind of a different price point, a few different things. But that, it felt really hard because I put a lot of love and time into what I make. Um, you know, it, it. I am really passionate about it, like all founders are, I guess. Um, but it was also shocking because most of what I make, like, yes, you have like, a small number of people that are unhappy because, you know, like the freaking toilets weren't clean enough or like whatever else. Um, Sometimes there's kind of their own stuff and sometimes it's stuff that you can change. But this one to have quite a proportion of people um, complain um, was, it was really hard going. And I have to say, I kind of like retreated for a few weeks and was kind of just like, Oh, <laughs> like yeah. it hurt. Mm. And, you know, and it feels kind of, I guess, almost even slightly risky to talk about that here with you now, because then maybe pe- people watching this podcast, like there's there's even, I can feel, I'm noticing there's a worry in me that like, yeah. oh, what if people associate that with me when I've created dozens of projects that have been received yeah. really, really well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's not easy. Um, but it does also drive you to try and make things as good as possible. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a hard one. Always that duality. Um, mm. And, yeah, I, I, I completely understand because it's – it. well, I, I, I understand. Maybe I, don't, I can't feel the same. But, but it's such a um, – it's tricky talking about that when everyone kind of expects you to also only kind of share your successes and, and the things that are going well and also being so tied to your – business that um to have or to experience that is is a very personal thing that you're then expected to just kind of oh well you've got to you know keep going and you've got to keep keep moving so there's never really that time to process so i'm interested so you i mean you you literally kind of removed yourself for a little bit after that experience was that healthy was that unhealthy i don't know Mm, um i definitely needed some kind of like Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like, so like yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, it was hard. It was really hard. And I could feel that, you know, people were wanting to ask me about this project because normally I have like some really good answers. And I was like, oh, I just don't really want to talk about that at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I kind of retreated to like, 
I mean, not completely. Of course, I was still like, you know, interacting with the world. But in terms of the more and um, the deeper conversations about it, um, I limited that to some really trusted people in my life. And um, so there's one friend in particular who kind of who came to it and who I shared a huge amount with. Um, because I feel really safe with him and I trusted that I could share my full vulnerability and that he would support me in that. Um, so it's interesting that that's coming up again as a theme, hey, like having mm. those key people that yeah. you have such trust with and you know that they're going to be there for you when you hit the really sticky bits because you're always going to hit the sticky bits in life or in running a business. Mm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, maybe another important element to talk about here is like the um this control so and and when i say that i guess i mean uh there's this voice in your head that's like always with you right it's like the one thing that's with you 24 7 um <laughs> maybe, maybe you don't notice it as much when you're sleeping but it's always there mm. um and i guess in in that situation of like getting that feedback um the event obviously was I don't know was it done um, at that point when you got that feedback or was that during <laughs> it was during and right. that was really really hard because I had to keep going and like keep delivering this thing and keep standing up and kind of being the voice and the central person and keep hosting knowing that I was getting this feedback mm -hmm. far yeah. out it was hard but um you know I have some key friends who a really experienced kind of um, in the different industries that I work in. And there's another key friend that um, I ride a lot to because he's in Christchurch. And um, and I remember saying to him like, oh, far out, like this is just so freaking hard right now. I'm really struggling. And he said, well, you know, it was bound to happen that at some point you would deliver an experience, an event, a creation that wouldn't be as successful it was going to happen at some point. Yeah. You know, You at this point, you've already been in operation for two and a half years. It was going to happen. And that kind of made me feel a bit better, mm. you know? So sometimes having those people who have that voice of experience for your industry or for what you're doing, which kind of ties into sort of like, whether it's mentors or coaches or talking to other founders mm -hmm. and people can kind of reflect back and give you some of that perspective. And that can be really reassuring. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess what I was touching on with the control there was that um, it's it's easy to let those kind of negative thoughts run away, but um, also important to focus on what you can control and what you can change, um, particularly if it's after an event has happened. <laughs> um, unfortunate that it was during, but, you know, if something's happened, I guess all you can do is learn from that situation and figure out, like, okay, what could I have done better? How could I move on from this? And learn and grow from that. Um, use it as an opportunity to learn rather than to sink into that yeah. um, negativity from it, perhaps. Not to, not to draw it out, but do you have a, is there a, a moment or an experience that you've, you've had in that kind of capacity where you... Um, oh, geez, I don't know off the top of my head, but uh, there's probably been a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah just not necessarily like within business, but um, just life, you know, like I think, I think quite a few um, soft skills transfer across business and just, you know, living life, um, mm -hmm. for sure. 
Like compartmentalization is one of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Putting it in a little box. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's not healthy. healthy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It's good to unpack that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, getting that feedback in the moment is, that's mm, really that's tricky because that's just a layer mm. of difficulty when you're trying to deliver the thing that you're trying to, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah. And when you're also trying to hold, um, like, the motivation and the morale for the whole team mm-hmm. that are working on it, like, yeah, man, that was mm. hard going. Yeah. Yeah. And we did make a bunch of changes because we kind of got this, like, after maybe three nights of the show. And so... um and so we made a heap of changes, but then that also brings more challenges with it. Because if you are making changes on the fly in a show, then mm. there are going to be more mistakes that happen because everyone isn't like super polished. Yeah. So, yeah, but, oh, there were just so many things. It just <laughs> felt like one of those that was cursed, you know. Yeah. But mm. then it's also, uh, you know, as you say, trying where you can to... Notice if you're falling into those negative thought patterns and try and balance it out and whether it's other, again, other trusted people that can help you to do that. Because, you know, you can go into a spiral and go, oh, this is just like the worst thing ever. It's horrendous. But then you can try it if you can to once you've got some space from it to step back and go, okay, this was one thing out of all of the things that I have done successfully in that time. But I think if you do hit that point of failure, it's also really important to allow yourself some time to just feel those feelings horrible as they are, um, but to have that time and to not just expect yourself to just dust it off and be like, da-da-da, sure. yeah, whatever. Yeah. Have a sleep like, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, it's like sometimes you do need to give yourself, if it feels okay for you and at kind of you know at a rate that you can manage to let some to designate some time or to allow some of those things to come through Mm. because you will need to do that before you can kind of move on and take the longer learnings from it and kind of shift how you might approach it in the future yeah well that's part of the processing of it right is having that actually allowing yourself to experience what it's like to you know, have something go wrong before mm-hmm. you can actually go, okay, cool. Now I've, I've, I've thought about, I've felt this. Um, what comes next? You know, where's the next step? Yeah. It, it's super relevant to, to what you kind of do as well. Cause I feel like music is, um, you can sink into music so much and really like resonate with it. Um, like if you're feeling down, you'll probably be listening to some sad songs, you know, <laughs> and you just kind of like sit with that for a bit, but it can help you, I guess, process things. Yeah, it totally can. I mean, um, and it's incredible how much sound can change your feeling. And I guess that is um, perhaps another tool. Um, mm. Thanks for yeah. kind of bringing that up that I do use. And um, so, for example, um, you know, and often like if I'm if I'm doing kind of DJ DJ mixing, it will often be for a show. Fewer of those at the moment, clearly. Yeah. Um, but it's true that sometimes I'll be like, oh, man, I'm really tired. I, you know, I don't really feel like mixing heavy bass right now. But then, <laughs> but then I'm like, okay, all right. You know, it's like a Wednesday night at 9 p.m., whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, with my cup of tea. But it's true that so often, um, you know, I'll start mixing 
and then because I just love the tunes mm. and they give me energy and then I, and and whenever I mix I'm dancing you know and then kind of a yes okay maybe by like 11 I'm like oh I'm pretty knackered <laughs> <laughs> I definitely need to go to bed but um but it can it can change your mood mm. um and I guess I feel privileged in terms of having learned to mix and having quite a diverse range of music that I can mix to my mood mm. so I can mix for what I'm feeling and then potentially you can kind of mix for what you're feeling right now but then let it shift and take you through and then mix into where you want to be now I know that not everyone can do that but you can choose you can choose songs in the same way yeah. you know yeah. you can kind of maybe start with some of the things that kind of let you feel what you're feeling and kind of maybe get it out and like you know have a stomp and have a cry or yeah. whatever it is like mm. um and it yeah and I guess this is another tool that I really use that um is using dance to channel emotions and to get rid of it. Mm. Because often when you've got those emotions, they're like, they're in the body and they can get kind of stuck unless you actually find ways to like shift them through. Yeah. Um, and so dance floors for me can be a place of catharsis, like incredible catharsis over the years. But you can also do that in your own house. That's the word. Catharsis is the word. It's that it's that feeling it in order to kind of actually understand it and move through it as opposed to trying to just ignore it or push it aside. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's emotional resolution. So yeah. it doesn't need to necessarily be like dance or listen to music. James. It may be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got to watch out if I'm yeah. on the dance floor. Long elbows. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's about figuring out what that mechanism for emotional release is and actually yeah. addressing those feelings. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting too, because I mean, so much of this, uh, well, actually, I'm not sure, but so much of it feels like it's a process of almost self-discovery of what works for you, which is tough because no, one, no one's teaching us that stuff. There's not a class when we're young where it's like, okay, now find out how you, you know, <laughs> deal with emotional pain and grief and failure and all that kind of stuff. It's just eventually maybe you stumble upon it. I don't know. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I think you touched on it before, like wellness becoming a little bit more mainstream, mm. um, which I think is really cool um, that it's sort of there's a lot more information out there and it's a lot more accessible and I'm sure we've probably still got a way to go, but it is, seems like it's definitely um, on the rise, I guess. Yeah. That's a conversation, right? I think mm. 20 years ago this couch wouldn't have existed and people wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. So just having the conversation and providing like a forum for people to discuss it at least opens the floor where it might not have been before. Just yeah. start. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, I think share, yeah, sharing experiences and kind of understanding that, yeah, it's not a, I don't, I don't want to minimize, but it's not something that one person is experiencing by themselves, which it can often feel like when you're in that moment of like, I am a failure and there's nothing else that's going on, but it's, you know, we can share kind of ways to move through that and be part of it. Yeah. Which you guys are doing fantastically. Um, and I'm just kind of trying to pair it alongside you. So thanks for that. Um, so we've, we've touched a little bit on um, how busy we can all get, even, you know, even if we're not founders necessarily, but we all kind of have that natural, um, well, not maybe we all, oftentimes we get sucked into this. I've got to do more. I've got to continue doing things. Um, We've kind of touched on a few of your different mechanisms in terms of like getting outside. Um, but how do you how do you make time for yourself? It, it sounds so easy to just kind of go like, oh yeah, well I just you know uh, I make sure that I I meditate every day. Is it an alarm that you set? I mean, is it is it you know before I go to bed I don't um, you know I, I put my phone away and I read a book? Or what what are those 
what are the, the literal things that you do um, to make sure that you're, you're getting that time for yourself? Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I, I, I want to say that, um, you know, I've developed a morning routine. Um, it's always been on my to-do list and I've certainly <laughs> tried. Yeah, I up, I go for a um, it doesn't always play out that way, hey? But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's important to also recognize, um, say, yeah, say I, I want to get into a better habit in the mornings and get a bit of a morning routine um, to not, beat myself up when I'm not doing that, you know, to be okay with falling off the horse a little bit and just trying again. Mm. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say that I've got like a, a specific routine or, um, um, set of things that I do, but I, I do try to do things that I know are beneficial for me when I can, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I completely resonate, right? I think this is a journey. I would yeah. consider like many of my attempts at morning routines or like being programmatic about these mechanisms have been abject failures. But <laughs> I think it's something that, um, like for me, it's more about that process of, oh shit, I'm getting quite stressed out. I'm feeling it internally. And then like being aware of that moment and then carving out some time for me um, rather than creating sort of this consistent mechanism because I, I'm always failing at those. Um, but like one of those mechanisms for me is just you know, carving out some time for being social, like catching up mm. with your friends, catching up with your family um, and finding a way not to think about work or not to think about any of those internal stresses for a while and just creating like complete separation from those things for a little while. Um, putting devices away can be effective as well. Like, and I'm horrible at that, but it's something I try and try and do a little more often. But yeah, it's me. Like not beating yourself up for those points of, of where you, you try to set something up is really important. Uh, like you can't feel bad about <laughs> yeah, making yourself feel good. You just yeah. end up making yourself feel worse, right? Yeah, and it's it's like I was saying before, you you've got that voice in your head, and mm. you can kind of choose to listen to it or or take control a little bit and say, well, okay, yeah, I, I didn't do meditation today, but. Um, Maybe I'll just go for a quick five-minute walk and, like, take notice of the surroundings and the noises around me and just, like, try to accommodate that. Be gentle with yourself and um, just do your best. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. I like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think to, to kind of, I suppose, sort of hack approaches for me that are helpful are getting really clear about boundaries and then making the things that feel good for you real easy to do. So in terms of the boundaries for me, because um, so much of like the reach of what I do is online and that has tied into um, struggling a lot more to switch off from screens because mm -hmm. it's kind of like you're, you're like hooked in so much mm -hmm. to that world. Um, and for me, there's also kind of like the community that I... Um, work in like I know a lot of these people so I was finding at some points that I was just getting all of these messages to my personal Facebook like endlessly about things I'm delivering for the Sentinel so I like put up a post on Facebook and then every time that came through I'd just be like hey can you please redirect this to the Sentinel's Facebook page or to email mm -hmm. and people really listened to that like they they understood it um so sometimes if you can you know gracefully assert boundaries 
I think that can really help to get some of that time out, like away from it. Because otherwise, yeah. I'm getting a message at maybe like 11 p.m. on a Saturday. Yeah. That's not what we want, <laughs> you know. Come on. Um, so that's one thing that has been good. Um, the other is about making it easy. So, for example, for me, it's super easy to do yoga because it's five minutes walk down the road, mm. and it's koha, so there's no like financial barrier. And it's and once you get into like for some people it works for some people it doesn't but for me i find having that routine of like oh it's six o'clock on a tuesday quick i need to go to yoga mm. okay great and then it's it, yeah i think it's about finding ways to make the things that feel good easy to do and then you're way more likely to do them whereas if you're like oh okay i have to like cycle through the wind and rain for 45 minutes to get there <laughs> then you're like oh yeah no i can't be, yeah. <laughs> can't be well, stay indoors in those moments <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same, <laughs> completely. Um, yeah, awesome. I think we, we've touched on so much. And, and I, I think one of the last things that I'd actually like to, to understand a little bit better, because I think we're getting at that as well, especially with the Facebook comment, is that our personal and work lives, I think, are blurring a lot more um, as a result of, you know, social media and just kind of this need to be, um, to bring kind of your full self to work. In, in an interesting way. I'm, I'm interested to hear your perspectives on that and how that's played out both from the founder side, from the investor side. Because um, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. Uh, I think I deal with those two things slightly differently. Like I'm a firm believer of um, like becoming good friends and integrating who you work with into the rest of your life because um, ultimately I go and work, you know, eight, plus hours a day with these people you become really good friends and like it makes sense for me at least um for those you know for them to be introduced to your broader friends and family and know who are and be a part of your life as in sort of a more holistic sense Mm -hmm. um and i think that way you know it's really annoying to my fiance if you know some random person is asking to talk to me on a saturday or something like that that's that's really like I guess that's frustrating if you don't have the connection to the person and you don't mm. understand the reason why. Whereas if you create more integration and um, I feel like it sort of creates less friction and yeah, can be less fractious to your, to your more personal relationships. Um, I wouldn't get on the subject of social media for me. I'm not a big fan. I think it, it speaks to the boundaries piece as well, I guess a little bit of how you set those boundaries between yeah, where people come in and not. Mm. Yeah. How do you guys deal with that? If you do. What separation between work, yeah, kind and, of work personal? and personal? Yeah. If you do. I mean Yeah, I think I don't know, for me it's it's less about like relationships and work and personal because obviously like um Dan is a good friend of mine, but yeah, just more um separation of time mm-hmm. when um, to give myself time to do personal stuff, you know, like um, going back to earlier conversations around, you know, always feeling like you need to do everything. Um, so I think that's more of the thing that I struggle separating is stopping work and giving myself time for like my personal life. Um, I do think it's super important to just be yourself and open and honest with like clients and people that you work with as well because um, ultimately you want to be working with people who have the same values as you and share the same kind of like mission and be working on cool stuff together so yeah. um, 
yeah, there's there's definitely an importance there. I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, it's um, it's quite a complicated area. So when I started the sense knots, um, I'm I'm a burner, which means um, I'm part of the Kiwi Burn um, Festival, which is the um, like Atero's equivalent of Burning Man, yeah. and that whole kind of festival community scene. And that was really really important for when I launched the sense knots because. I already had this big community of people that I know um, who are open to interesting experiences and supportive of people trying new things. So that community has been like incredibly influential on what I do. Um, and I feel really grateful for it. And including that was where I started um, DJing as well. But as I've kind of like, you know, grown what I do with the sense north there have been some interesting pushbacks in that journey because like the kiwi burn kind of ethos is like it's all um uh like it, it's volunteer based and like nobody it's a gifting economy so for me I've had to make a really clear distinction between like the things I do for kiwi burn are in this basket and um, like I contribute a theme camp and I DJ for free at that. That is completely separate from how I run the sense notes because mm. over here I need to survive and ethically it's really important for me to pay all of the creatives and the crew and mm. and the people that I work with. Mm. Um, and what I have found is that by and large there's been a huge amount of support from that community. But there is an interesting thing in that those people, like I guess I'm uh, like... Mm, fairly visible in in that communities and especially like with adding on the DJing mm. and so there have been there's been one or two intense criticisms because I'm being perceived to be I guess putting my head above the parapet right. and this is particularly I think potentially there is an element of gender to that as a woman or femme and um, when you kind of when you sometimes when you do these things and you're just like perceived as quite a strong and ambitious person, people will start to fling yeah. crap at you, yeah, and that's been particular. That's particularly happened in the last year, and just people making like some quite insane judgments about me from me performing. Right. Um. So those have been hard lessons in the last year, but. It's not going to stop me from doing what I'm doing. And I've also learned some really important things from from some of those criticisms, not some of the other ones. Yeah. That for me, I was like, oh, my gosh, that was completely unfounded in the rubbish. But <laughs> yeah, thanks for okay. <laughs> yeah, like, thanks for inferring that for just watching a performance. Yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's an interesting and quite volatile um, experience at times for me there um, yeah I guess I don't have like a fixed answer of how to deal with that and I think that's a really personal and unique mm -hmm. experience yeah. based in what I do um, but yeah it's it's quite intriguing yeah and I think I mean yeah it, it speaks to the level of support that you need not only within your kind of immediate you know kind of circles but then also the support we can be giving each other on those larger scales, you know, on those larger stages of saying, if you can see something like that, um, is there a way to, to speak up and, and kind mm. of support? Um, unfortunately, we are all out of time. Uh, this has been really fantastic. And I've really um, appreciated you guys being so 
um, so open and vulnerable with a lot of the stuff you've shared. Um, I know we dove into a lot of kind of, you know, whether that be personal things that we do to cope or personal experience that we've had. Um, it really helps to be able to share those kind of experiences. So my thanks to all of you. Uh, and I'm sure for all of our listeners um, and anyone watching, um, their thanks to you as well. Thanks to our listeners for joining us um, uh, on the Creative Couch. And thank you, obviously, to the, the fantastic panel here. Um, we really enjoyed getting into the topic of uh, founder well-being and mental health. Um, and yeah, last things last, uh, if you guys have anything you'd like to plug or, or places we can find you, um, whether that be your business or uh, on a personal capacity, what do we got? We'll go down the line. Uh, just track me down on LinkedIn, James Palmer, Blackbird Ventures. Nice. Yes. Uh, you could find what I do on the sensonauts.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have any kind of interesting projects that you want to collaborate on, I'm always open to that. Awesome. Um, yeah, simpel.co.nz um, is where you can find us. Always keen to collab with um, other creatives and stuff too. And uh, most importantly, look after yourself. Yeah, it's a great closing line. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. We'll see you next time.